We are, we will have a guest speaker. Um, we have pre-recorded this message um, just out of caution um, for, for this individual not wanting to uh, be exposed or potentially exposed to COVID. Um, we are really glad to have this person a part of our church and to share with us this morning. No, it'll be a really powerful message. Um, Jericho Jones is who we'll be hearing from this morning. And as I've been was thinking about Jericho, this passage came to mind from First Timothy uh, chapter six, verses eleven to fourteen. This is Paul's words to Timothy, but I think it's true of Jericho. Paul writes, "But you, man of God," and just parenthetically, that's not a common phrase for to be thrown around in the Bible. Very few people were called a man, man of God, but uh, Jericho is a man of God. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. So, like I said, Jericho really embodies uh, these characteristics that uh, Paul is charging Timothy with, and um, I, th- I think that will really come through uh, this morning. So, I'll just pray and then go ahead and roll the video. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together as we talk more about the spiritual gifts that you've given us. Uh, Thank you for the message that you've given Jericho, and help us to have open ears and hearts and eyes to receive from you what you would have from us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Good morning, Indy Vineyard. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jericho Jones. I've been attending Vineyard for some time now. Um, And it's an honor to be with you this morning, even if it is only by video. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit transcends our virtual barriers. So I'm fully confident that he's going to do everything that he desires to do with us today. Um, So we are currently in a series called Empowered, um, speaking about spiritual gifts in the church, and today we have the joy of exploring what it means when we say everyone gets to play. Basically, that means that everyone is made in a unique way by God to glorify God within the church and the world. And we all need to first discover what those gifts are and then use them however God wants us to. However, we're not just going to stop there and everyone gets to play is going to evolve into something else. Um, I believe that the Lord wants to go deep with us this morning. So let's get going.
So one of the first Disney movies to surprise me on how good it was was the movie Ratatouille. Um, basically, it's a movie about this rat who ends up being a chef at a five-star restaurant, which, if you think about it, is a pretty disgusting concept, but it made for a really good children's movie. Um, it was a fun movie. It was all about self-discovery, family loyalty, um, trust, and personal legacy. Um, you know, my three-year-old daughter has yet to survive the whole movie, but the point is, I really liked it. So it's going to be part of our message, message today. Um, one of my favorite parts was where uh, Chef Gusto. Um, he was this, this old chef back in the day who died. Um, but the ghost of Chef Gusto comes to Remy, the rat's name, um, and talks to him about being a cook. Um, and one of the best quotes was when Chef Gusto said that anyone can be a cook, but only the fearless can be great. In preparing for this message, my friend reminded me of this quote, and I think that it fits perfectly into what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you for, for three things, maybe four. One, I ask that whatever part of me that is prepared to partner with you, this morning, empower those. Two, I ask that any part of me that is not prepared to submit to you and partner with you during these next 30 or so minutes, please shut those down and put them to the side for us to deal with later. And three, I ask for the fear of the Lord in giving this message and to be filled with your love. And I'll go ahead and ask the fourth one. I pray that the hearts of anyone who listens to this message is tilled and, and prepared um, for whatever you want to deposit this morning. Amen. So if you have your Bible um, or if you have your phone, that's great um, because we're going to be going back and forth through the scripture this morning. Um, I'll be reading some, some of the scriptures as they'll be some of the main points, but then I'll be referencing others. So just keep track as best you can. I'm not with you in person this morning, so I can't really read the crowd, so to speak. And that's okay because this is a recording. So that's what recordings are for. Um, so we're going to break up this journey into three sections. The first one being this, discern your place. And we're going to be starting by reading from uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And the scripture says that, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature with, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So that's, that's a big passage with a lot of big statements. And, um, and through this passage, we see that God has a place for each and every one of us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us right away who we are and what we're not. 
but not everyone has it like that. Okay, so that's why we start with everyone gets to play. We actually get to journey with God and others to discover what gifts that God has given us. One of the reasons why we have the church is to have a safe place to play, which means that we, we get, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Some of us need to try new things and see what happens. The encouragement is to branch out of those comfort zones and ultimately find that gifting in our place in the body of Christ. You know, you may be one and not the other. You may be a healthy mix of multiple giftings. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 29 is fairly, very, very clear that people are equipped with a plethora of spiritual giftings and one is not exactly better than the other. So have fun with the process and enjoy your time of discovery with God. He's a good father and a great leader. Um, And while this isn't guaranteed, it's also helpful to know how your personality is wired and watch how how it may fit into your gifting. Um, I recently spoke to a friend who found a gifting of administration through the art ministry of our church, which fascinated me. Now, here are some important bits, okay? Not everyone with a gift is going to have the same level of power in that gifting or will have the same expanse of influence. Sometimes we can start to prefer certain spiritual gifts or callings because they feel more important. But the truth is we don't have the right to determine which one of God's gifts are more important than the other. We gave up that right when we were crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. And there's this rhetoric out there of you can be whatever you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do. That doesn't apply here, okay? That type of rhetoric applies to a, a fatherless generation with no sense of direction. And that, that's not us. We have a good father who gives us a specific design and purpose. So Gusto was was right. He was correct. Anyone can cook, but not everyone is supposed to be a chef. Um, Paul said to the Corinthians that you may all prophesy, but not everyone is a prophet. Um, And it would be disingenuous for for me not to reveal my place. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm a prophet. And I know that everyone has a certain idea of what it means to be a prophet, whether or not they're still real today. And um, some people have this idea of, hey, I want to be a prophet. That sounds like really, really cool. And they, they kind of lust after that calling. And I, I, by, and I am by no means an expert on all things prophetness, but I've, I've, I've lived as a prophet long enough to say with confidence that not everyone is supposed to be a prophet. 
as a matter of fact, I would dare to say that if many of us knew what was involved in being a prophet, many of us would not want to. Um, the grass on the other side isn't always the type of green that we think it is. And that brings up the topic of comparison and jealousy in this, in this realm of pursuing the spiritual gifts and finding our place. Because not only is comparison and jealousy not helpful, but it's actually dishonoring and insulting to God. You know, the, the clay does not get to question the potter about his decisions. Um, and we will only see the beauty of our place in the body of Christ when we submit to God's sovereignty. You know, we will need to be willful participants in the process, but it's not by our own power that we do this or discover this or activate it in it. So please don't hear anything about works righteousness or legalism in this message. It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. That said, for the rest of this message, any time that we come across something that we have to do, we can healthily conclude that we're only doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now back, back to the point. Now, if, if God shows you that your gifting isn't what you expect, it is okay to grieve that. You don't have to just suck it up and move on um, because the Lord is far more gracious than that. You know, this isn't often taught on, but grief is actually part of the process of us releasing our own will and taking the Lord's will instead. And it's okay to grieve so long as we're led to a place of submission to God and not resentment. Okay, it, it does us no good to rebel or resent God. Okay, it, you know, there's no benefit to kicking against the goads. Um, we have to trust the king to give us our place. And we have to trust one another to discern that place alongside of us. And there are various ways that this can happen. It can happen through a word of prophecy. I spoke recently with a really good, really good friend of mine who found his place as a spiritual protector and a visionary by receiving a word of prophecy. I have another friend who was recognized and supported as an apostle through the laying on of hands from elders and pastors of her church. But that also brings me to mention that there was a point where she transitioned to another church, but that environment was suppressive and she had less freedom to walk out her spiritual gift and spiritual office. So that brings us to our second point, which is steward your story. Once we know what our spiritual gifts are, we are responsible for using them well. But the church is responsible for creating the space that allows for mistakes and supports growth. I realized that I touched on this um, a little earlier, and I'm not picking on any particular church when I say this, but this is important enough to say twice because I've noticed that many churches are often perplexed that there aren't the, that their pews aren't overflowing with vibrant and powerful individuals. And a likely answer 
to that confusion is that a safe place may have yet to be created for them. You know, we often punish the people in our churches who make messes through their mistakes or seem to be in a rough spot instead of discipling them and showing grace. You know, by having this sermon series on activation and spiritual gifts, any vineyard church has actually signed up for a season of messiness. And we need to be aware of that. You know, as the body of Christ, we must learn to recognize when a person is in what is called a wilderness season. And wilderness season may sound like a funny term. And the simplest way to describe it is a season where it seems like God is absent. But what's actually happening is we're being tested through life circumstances or tough spiritual journeys because God wants to form and, and, and develop our character. And oftentimes we don't recognize this in people in our churches and they're in really messy spots. And sometimes when we're not walking in grace, we can use this as reasons to disqualify people. But God is asking us to learn how to support them in those seasons and recognize those seasons. But for us as individuals, how we deal with our wilderness determines how well our stories turn out. You know, being empowered doesn't mean that you always feel powerful in the traditional sense. Oftentimes our gifts and being activated in our gifts are what lead us into some of the most trying seasons of our lives. I mean, look at Joseph in the Bible, okay? The way that he used his spiritual gifting in his immaturity is probably the biggest reason he got into so much trouble in his life. I mean, I've had annoying brothers in my own life, but man, <laughs> that, that's the type of guy you just want to give a, a swirly to. I mean, he, 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 he just didn't understand. He wasn't conscientious of how his gifts were affecting people. And the Lord took him through a, a tough season to inform him and develop him and to mold him into the person that he needed to be to steward those gifts well. And, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable and painfully honest right now. So in this season of my life, I've been more prophetically activated than I've ever been. So the spirit of prophecy in me has been very strongly activated. But at the very same time, when I was asked to record this message or to speak this message by our church leadership, you have no idea how badly I wanted to say no. I wanted to say no because nowadays in this season of my life, I'm seeing a lot of really tough things about myself. And I'm going through some really tough processes with, with myself and with my family and, you know, in, our com in my community. And I, I, I talked to God and, and I, I, said, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm not in the right headspace. I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm still trying to cope with being me. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on inside of me right now. So I don't know if I'm the right person right now for this. And mind you, when I, 
so my relationship with God is 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 fairly unique, okay? And d- throughout time, He has so convinced me of His kindness that what He says to me in these moments don't always have to sound nice. So I complain to God, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord enter the room that I was in when I was complaining, and He said, Jericho. Why do you think you have the right to tell me whether or not you're ready? What, what makes you think you have the right to determine your own season for yourself? And uh, that's not a fun question to be asked because that generally means that you are in the wrong. Um, And the Lord is correcting you. And that's a good thing because that means that you have a daddy who cares about you. I then realized that in season and out of season, he owns the deed to my life. And he is the key to my gift. So if Christ in me has something to say, then no matter how I feel, then I am crucified to my right to say no. And that's what being purchase with a price means. I'm blood bought. I'm dead to rights. That's just the way that it is. I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a bond servant. And that's one of the proudest positions that I can have. I'm also a son and I like to say yes to my daddy. Um, So that being said, you know, as our activation and our gifts lead us into these hard seasons, I will say that oftentimes we can look at these trials And instead of dealing with what comes up in us, we can actually use the activation of our gifts to distract us from partnering with God in our own hearts. And last week, Tony Costa gave a really good word in saying that spiritual gifts don't come with maturity in the same package. And I'm going to build on that foundation by saying that spiritual gifts do not mean that we are holy. Being spiritual, spiritually powerful does not mean that you have God's stamp of approval. And we cannot afford to use our gifts to hide from God. We must allow God to use our gifts to expose us before him and before others. It's important to realize that a poor character can weaponize a good gift. You know, in the Bible, false prophets were real prophets. Okay, they weren't fake prophets. False teachers were real teachers. But instead of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were empowered by the spirits of greed, spirits of deceit, spirits of delusion and immorality that they had allowed to remain in themselves unchecked. You know, being gifted should always facilitate God being able to deal with us as people, as a, should be able to deal with you as a person. And the size of our gift should never be a reason why he can't. We need to care about who we become in the spirit with the same intensity and passion that we pursue what we're able to do in the spirit. Again, there's certainly joy and fun and, and all that good stuff and, and using the spiritual gifts and learning what they are. And at the same time, the Bible is very clear that there is weight attached 
to operating in gifts in certain offices. You know, James, in, in the third chapter of James, he says that not everyone should want to be a teacher because they're going to have the greater judgment in the end. Um, and Paul tells the Corinthians, you all think that being an apostle is awesome, but oftentimes we're treated like the scum of the earth. Um, and it's like we're at the end of the procession. So the fact of the matter is the gifts and the allure of the gifts are not more important than our character because the gifts are just a fragment of who we are and who we become. And they're not, they're not always what they're cracked up to be. And we can often fall into offense with God when we have a false perception of what the gifts mean for us. And part of healing that perception is allowing other people in. We need people to walk alongside of us to discern where we are um, and to keep us grounded. You know, the body of Christ will always be an intimate part of our story. Our gifts and identities don't just happen between us and God. You know, there, there's also some, th- this perception out there of, it's just me and God against the world and I need to recon- deconstruct my faith and rebuild it back up, just me and Jesus. And that's all we need. And I cannot even begin to tell you how dangerous that, that perception of the Christian faith is because we often get stuck in a false sense of empowerment when we start walking in the spiritual gifts and we start pretending like we don't need anybody anymore. And this should never be. Um, We need community in our lives to surround us so that we are not led astray. Because the fact of the matter is any place in our life and any place in our gifts that we don't allow people to speak into, to walk with us during, those are the same areas that it's only a matter of time that the enemy will use those areas to become a stumbling block for you, to weaponize you and to hurt the people that you are made to love. And that brings us to our final point, which is seek to be a servant. I'll be reading from Matthew 20, 25 through 28. And the scripture says the following. But before I go, I'll just say, just give some context for this verse. So what happened was, so the disciples were together and two of the disciples had their moms go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, if you don't mind, can one of my sons be on the right and one of my sons be on the left? And it will make them feel really important. And um, Jesus basically, basically said, you really don't know what you're asking for but you'll be with me in heaven. Don't worry about it. So word gets back to the other disciples and they're like, are they trying to be better than us right now? That's not okay. And they get so angry at each other and they're arguing, saying who has the coolest shoes, who wears the best clothes, who wants to be the best, who's going to be the greatest, you know? And Jesus is overhearing that and he's like, you guys don't get it, do you? So he calls him to himself and here's what he says. He said, 
you know that the rulers of the Gentiles domineer over them and those in high position exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wants to become prominent among you shall be your servant and whoever desires to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There comes a point in this journey where we're no longer playing. I know the theme was everyone gets to play, but there's a point that we transition away from that. And everyone gets to play becomes everyone has a place. And it's important that we find our place within the body, not by promoting ourselves, but by giving ourselves away. And you know, this is where Chef Gusteau's quote of only the fearless can be great comes in. Because oftentimes we can obsess over the size of our destiny. You know, we want to go big and have something to show for ourselves. Um, But much of the reason behind this is because we're afraid that our lives won't amount amount to much else otherwise. But here's the kicker. And some of us don't like hearing this, but it's the truth. Our callings are not about our own self-importance. Hear me now. The more powerful your gift, the lower in servitude that you will have to go. We are made to be servants of all, helping us to realize that our gifts don't showcase the most important things about us. And, you know, sometimes we can spend a lifetime confusing the scope of our activity for serving God's heart only to miss the whole point at the end. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, go ahead and read Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, and you will get the point. Okay. God is not impressed by our shows or our feats. And and the fact is that if we're not satisfied by the fact that we are sons or daughters of Christ, then the spiritual gifts journey can become dangerous. Now, I'm not saying at all that spiritual gifts in and of themselves are dangerous, but our attitudes towards spiritual gifts can be if we think that they shape how God sees us. Some of the most important things about us are cultivated when God is able to use our gifts to sanctify us. You know, Jesus told us that we will be known by our fruits. I believe that he meant that we will be known by the fruits of the spirit in us, not by the fruits of our ministry or the fruits of our gifts. And you know, the fruits of the spirit influence and inform the power of the fruits of the spirit. Uh, the fruits of the gifts. So, so some of the most important things about us are, are cultivated when God is able to use our gifts to sanctify us. You know, Jesus told us that we will be known by our fruits. And I believe that what he meant was that we will be known by our cultivation of the fruits of the spirit, not by the fruits of our gifts. Okay, you know, the fruits of the spirit influence and inform the power of the spiritual gifts. But ultimately, the, the fruit 
of the spirit, they stand alone from the spiritual gifts. And that's what we're measured by. We're measured by the fruit of the spirit. They matter more to God. So the fruits of the spirit in us are God's priority. And he's using our spiritual gifts to lead us there. To what end? He's looking for us to use our gifts as a platform to lay ourselves down. You know, if your spiritual gift is not motivating you to die to self for your brother or sister next to you, your gift is not being stewarded in the way that it's supposed to. And when I say die to self, what I mean is being crucified to your own will, to your own agenda, to your own imaginations, and to your own perspective, and being awakened and coming alive to God's will and God's agenda and God's perspective instead. You know, we must lay down our fear of insignificance and take up a heart of service because that's when God will start breathing life back into us with our gifts. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 and John 15, 13 are very clear when they state that love is the point of everything. You know, love is the whole point. And scripture says that love has no greater man than this, that he what? That he laid down his life for his friend. And if your spiritual gifts don't result in love, then they can be as powerful and as robust and you can, you can, you can, you can influence as many people as you want and it's not going to mean a thing. Your place in the body and your gifts aren't always what you imagine it being and they don't always benefit you in the way that you expect them to. But the truth is that God's way is far better than our way. You know, 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, um, find, we, we, that's where we find Peter speaking to an exiled church, um, a church mixed with converted Jews and converted Gentiles. And what he said in this first chapter was incredibly profound. He said that the prophets of old discerned that they weren't living for themselves, but they were living for the church of the future. And, and I bring this up to say this, can, can you just pause and imagine the, the humility that these prophets had to have when they realized that their life calling was for, to serve both a people that they loved but also to serve a people that their current culture genuinely despised. And for us, what if our gifts, the gifts that the Lord gave us, lead us to the folks that we think deserve to be the least of these? What if the real purpose of our spiritual gifts offend us in the flesh, will we still accept our place in the body? 
you know, the spiritual gifts and your destiny for your life that it speaks to, they are absolutely beautiful and they're worth every cost that you may have to pay to live it out well. And sometimes we just need to reevaluate what we declare to be beautiful. And so the theme of this series is empowerment. So here's what I'm going to do. I release you and I empower you to pursue the gifts of the spirit with a spirit of righteousness and not with selfish ambition. There is a real purpose and a real fullness that the Lord desires for our lives. And I'm zealous that Christ gets his full reward in us and through us, through our obedience and submission to his will. So at this point, um, the ministry team can, can start coming forward to the, to, to the front of the lines and at the stage. And um, honestly, if you want application for this message, here it is. Come up front and meet with God. That's the best application point that I can give you. Because he may ask you to repent of some things. He may ask you to submit to some activation of some gifts that you may have been running away from, that you may have been a little terrified of or intimidated by. And he wants to break that intimidation from off, off of your life. Um, he may be walking you through some grief, um, the, the, the grief that comes with choosing his way over our own way and taking up his dreams instead of our dreams. He may be inspiring you to have a little bit of fun with the process and to lighten up a little bit um, and enjoy our time with him. And he may be requiring us to realize the gravity of our position in the body and maybe asking us to take our position in the body a little bit more seriously um, in submitting to the voice of others when it comes to our gifts. But finally, I believe that the Lord wants to release a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit for anyone that wants to come up front today. So if that's you, I'm going to, um, I'm going to take a step back from in inviting you and I'm going to say the Lord wants you up here. So, go, so come ahead and do it, okay? Because the Lord loves you that much. He doesn't want you to miss out today. So I'm going to be a little assertive with that. Please obey God. Obey God today because he wants to do something in you and through you that will not only affect your life, but the life of everyone around you and everyone that, that, that your life is destined to touch. Um, thanks so much uh, to Terry and any other um, ASL interpreter that served this morning. Um, you, you all are the best. You're the business. And I don't know how that will be translated, but I mean that in the best way possible. You're, you're all great. So I bless you all to go forth um, with the grace and power of God to do his will and learn his heart. All right. Uh, before we kind of move into our ministry time, um, want us to celebrate communion together. So I'd invite you to get your elements ready. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, give, us, give us some time to reflect and um, to take the elements. Paul writes, For I pass unto you 
what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant which God and his people, between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So I just invite you individually as friends, family, to reflect on that, even spend some time in prayer, and then we'll move into our ministry time. few minutes. Um, so one of the things we, we believe is that there is no junior Holy Spirit and our children's pastor, Heather, has been teaching our, our kids to hear uh, hear from God. And she actually handed me some words that uh, I wanted to share with you all. One of them was that the kingdom of heaven is coming down. Um, so I feel like that's in line a lot with what Jericho was giving us the opportunity to respond. So if you want, if you want more of that, really walking in these gifts is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here among us. Um, another is that God wants to heal broken hearts. You know, that, I think that's really in line with some of the things that Jericho was talking about. Uh, so if there's something that you need some healing from this morning, and then the last uh, really is a, a word of exhortation, build your house on Jesus the rock. And so if you're realizing there's something else other than uh, Jesus as the rock that you've been building in your house, come forward. If you any of these things that Jericho was talking about that's resonating with you, I invite you to come forward uh, and get some prayer uh, this morning. Whether it's a place of trying to discern your place, you know, to, to steward your story, or realizing of the necessity of being a servant. Or if you want uh, just a fresh release of the Holy Spirit, Jericho called that the baptism of the Spirit. If that's stir, something stirring within you, come forward. I invite you to get prayer for that. Any other needs that you have, physical, emotional, our, our teams would love to pray for you.